Welcome to Full Bloom, the podcast for millennials on a journey to finding purpose and pursuing passion. My name is Martina Lindo, and I believe we can learn from each other's experiences and hopefully help each other to bloom and grow into the people we were always meant to be. Your journey to full bloom starts right now. today to have with me Miss Nakia Stevens. Hey girl, hey. Hi. <laughs> so this is our second attempt at this interview. <laughs> so the first attempt, um, I was really new in the podcasting, like <laughs> green as you can get. And Nakia came over and, you know, this is also when I was doing like in-person conversations. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And my son just would not shut up the whole like hour. We we tried to, we really tried to plow through it and it just, it just wasn't working out. So she graciously agreed to try again. And I'm really grateful. No, yeah, so please introduce yourself to the people. I am Nikia Stevens. I'm a screenwriter, founder of Damn Right Originals, which is a screenwriting label that's jointly based in Atlanta and Los Angeles. And we basically curate stories for our in-house writers. And um, sometimes we produce them ourselves. Sometimes we get funding from networks and studios or other organizations to produce our work. And so, yeah, we just make sure to tell, you know, stories that we believe in, you know, with a specific eye on black women, a specific eye on black people, marginalized groups, queer people, um, and just narratives that have been like pushed to the margins, you know? Mm -hmm. So we take a special emphasis on like reclaiming those narratives. So if you guys are not familiar with Nakia and Damn Right, I don't know where you've been or what rock you live under. (laughs) But they do a lot of really, really exciting and dope projects that I was just so excited to get connected to your brand. Um, But before we talk about that, Mm -hmm. let's talk about Nakia, the storyteller. Um, I always think about Shonda Rhimes whenever I talk to like writers and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people who are more like introverted. Uh Well, at least who you would think would be. Uh She always talks about playing with like Legos and not Legos, cans in the closet. Mm -hmm in the pantry and I, I remember that in her book yeah and I just feel like every writer has that story because I was that kid like I had my Barbie dolls and I would just like give them roles and characters and I'm like all right you're gonna be today and so yes. let's hear your story oh no I was absolutely like that um I would, you know, play with my stuffed animals. I would have my Barbies. I would put them in scenarios. I mean, all, like they would, when I'm taking a bath, like they're coming with me too. Like my mom, like <laughs> I pretty much dumped my whole treasure chest. I don't know how clean this was or why she allowed me to do that. Yeah. But I would get in the tub and I would have all my toys in there. And when we're in the tub, we're in an underwater world, you know, and <laughs> would just go down from there. And then, you know, I would create these scenarios and I talk to myself all the time like it was really crazy and um when I watched movies I remember as a kid watching movies I would like if it was some dialogue that I like like an exchange I would rewind it and like remember it and memorize it and then just like like play it out like I just was so (laughs) obsessed with like these monologues or these like very intense moments and my favorite um I tell people all the time was from Ease Bayou Mm -hmm. when the 
but as a kid, she like finally has her breaking point. She like goes off on her mom. Like I've been mm-hmm. in the house, you know, and I am sick and tired. And I was just like, yes, <laughs> I like this. I love yeah, this. I, I feel realized, it. <laughs> yeah, I realized that I wanted to be that person to put those words in their mouth and to set that scenario up. You mm-hmm. know? So do you feel like that's your earliest moment of like being a storyteller? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I would write poetry all the time, write short stories, remix stories. I, my first, um, uh, I want to say my first book that I wrote was in like, the, <laughs> when I was like eight, I wrote, I remixed Cinderella, but I used dinosaurs. It was called like Dinarella. It was like very interesting. <laughs> I mean, my mom still has it. It's laminated and everything like this. Wow. Is a, this is when the computer was like still kind of new-ish and um, because I remember those pixelated images that I could find would be mm-hmm. would be the pictures that I included in there. It was like, I think it was like the brand new thing to do. And so that's why it was a project. It was like, oh, this will be a thing that you have to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was, I've always been interested in like telling stories my own way. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, even stories that are we're familiar with, but like putting people yeah. who were represented yeah. like dinosaurs <laughs> in, in those situations. So I feel like that was the earliest, the earliest time that I could recognize that I um, I like to tell stories and I like to use characters that are not normally used. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that model a lot. I think it's very representative, one of the brand that you've built now, but also just really important in terms of just the world that we live in because people don't always get the opportunity to tell their story. And when you have the platform and the opportunity to do it, it just makes it more special, I think. Yeah. And I'm curious, what were... (laughs) What was the glass slipper in the dinosaur story? I don't even know. I, I honestly think it was a skate. I think they were rollerblade skates because I could find um, a Pixar rollerblade. And I think yeah. that's what I used. I really would like to find, I, I think it's in our storage unit um, in Atlanta, but I, I really want to find it. But I really think it, I yeah. used rollerblades. Like <laughs> they were going around trying to figure out the rollerblade. It was like that's really crazy. so funny yeah oh my god so when did you decide that you wanted to be a screenwriter um I decided you know I didn't know what a screenwriter was like I didn't know the name for what I wanted to do I just yeah. know that I loved movies I know that I loved writing I know that I love stories but I didn't really know how to merge or marry all three of those things mm-hmm. and so like for a while I just was like you know I'm I'm gonna you know work in movies I'm gonna write you know, I didn't know what it was called. I just knew it had to be yeah. in that area. And so it wasn't until like, I think I did a play in high school. It was a high school musical, the remix. This was when high school musical had first came out. And so like, yeah, I was in that in high school too. I was one of the skaters. I think I was, I might've been in my sophomore year. Right. Yeah, it just came out, right? So, like, yeah. we did that, but as my black, my my school is a black high school, so we, mm-hmm. like, we have to t- take this and make it our own thing. So, I guess I've always been... Yeah, like, flipping stories like, over. Right, exactly. So, like, we did the remix, and anyway, I I, um, I think one of the, the theater teacher was, um, you know, just telling me, 
we were just having a conversation and that's when I realized a screenwriter was the name for something yeah. that, that fit like what I felt like I wanted to do. And so from there I started to like, you know, do my own little research and like, mm-hmm. you know, try to figure out where I fit into that world. And then I found some writers who looked like me and it made it easier to believe that I could actually do something like that, you know, like yeah. a, a Mar Mara Kill or a Shonda. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, that was a moment, a pivotal moment for me. It was very important for me to see them because then I got even more strength to be like, oh, I can do this. Like, this is yeah. okay. I can do this. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was your favorite um, writer growing up? Um. Well, like I said, I didn't know much about screenwriting. So growing up, I looked to poets more so than anything. Yeah. I really loved Maya Angelou. I really loved um, Nikki Giovanni. I was like a mm-hmm. Um, and then once I got a little older, I really loved Intozaki Shange. Um, so yeah, those were amongst my favorites, I want to say, growing up. And I really liked, I know this sounds crazy, but I really liked Dr. Seuss. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, yes. I just could find, like, even though he was a very silly writer and he like came for, he did cartoons. Like that's where he, political yeah. cartoons was his thing. But, um, I could find the meaning in all of his writing, even how, how however quirky it was. Um, I thought that um, it was a he was a really good storyteller in that sense because I want to be a storyteller who can put the medicine and the candy for people. Like you don't even notice that you're learning something. You don't realize yeah. that I'm, you know, introducing you to a different part of humanity. Like you think you're just enjoying this story, right? Yeah. And it's not until later that you're like, wait a minute, I was just taught a lesson. <laughs> so yeah, I really, exactly. I really like Dr. I love that metaphor, putting the medicine in the candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah. it just, it speaks very, very much to what it's like to be, what is it? Like to get subliminal messages, mm-hmm. like receive subliminal messages. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. So for you, like you focus a lot in your stories on you know sharing a specific type of narrative so Mm -hmm. why did it become so important to you to share those kind of stories um because I I just wanted I just know I know the power of storytelling and I know the power of um representation and what that can do to um what that can do to a a culture of people, what it can do to a generation of people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, I, I know in real life, I know people who are so interesting. I know people who are so complex. And so, you know, like I want, I want their stories to be represented. You know, I want to see people that I recognize in these spaces. And I'm like, I'm just going to have to be the one to put them there. You know, I just took a a, a keen interest in making that happen, you know, and and like humanizing one, the black experience, the feminine experience, the queer experience. Like I want to just, you know, say, Hey, like these people may seem different from you, but we are all very human. And we all have like these emotions. We all cry. We all feel sad. We all all get angry. We all feel betrayed. We all may tell a lie. We all may feel ashamed. Like all of these things is not a singular experience. Like we're all experiencing these things. And I need people to recognize that through a different lens. And then I feel like it's a connectedness that comes with that. Yeah. 
yeah, that, that's just like my main interest in, in why I like to tell those sorts of stories, you know, because we're marginalized, we're left out. Yeah. And I'm like, no, hello, we deserve to to be up there and we, we deserve to be represented. So. And you know what, this might take us kind of like on a tangent, but mm-hmm. that listening to you made me think about this. My sister and I were just talking about this and um, as a screenwriter and somebody who spends time telling stories, right? Mm-hmm. When I think about just the world that we live in now, and just the way that we share information and how, you know, we socialize a lot online. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about or what do you think about, like, even the story of the young man that just got killed mm-hmm. um, on his jog? Right. You're scrolling through Instagram and you see his picture. But mm-hmm. then in the next beat, you see a picture of a meme of something completely like meaningless Mm -hmm. like how do you feel about those stories sharing the same space like go ahead I feel like I feel like they both I feel like they can both coexist it's just Mm -hmm. like you think about yourself as a human you know um you can feel sad and also see a baby do a cute dance and then like in that moment experience joy you know but so I think that we don't allow ourselves to um, uh, like have our emotions exist at the same time. It it might be confusing to us, you know, like, you know, um, for instance, if you say like, Oh, my, my uh, parent just died, but I'm on the phone laughing with my friend. I've probably, I feel bad about that. You know what I mean? And 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 it's not fair to ourselves as humans. We still deserve to experience some sort of joy, even in the midst of trauma, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's just it's the way that the world works. And I think that if we only allow ourselves to experience one emotion and to reject all other things like that's not a life that is enjoyable. You know, it's unfortunate that we always have to it's unfortunate that we have to live with trauma anyway. Right. And we have to experience that, but I don't want us to rob ourselves of like joy and to feel guilty for laughing at a meme. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's okay. You can share, you can have a laugh and still care about social issues. You know what I mean? Joke with your friend, you can have a drink and still be taking care of your responsibilities. Like Mm -hmm. those things can coexist. So I like that answer. (laughs) Um, When you think about like, just, um, stories coexisting in different spaces in the world. Like when you, when people encounter something from damn right or from Nikita, like what do you want them to walk away feeling? Like, do you, do you write with that thought in mind? You know, like I don't, I don't care what the ending of that sentence is. Right. I just mm-hmm. want them to walk away feeling. I don't yeah. care what you feel. I don't care. Like, I, I mean, not necessarily I don't care. It's like, I don't, I'm not the one to determine that. Yeah. You know? Some people, some person, like four people can watch one, this, one of this, the same film of mine and they, and one person can feel like, wow, that was funny. Did you see that part? And one person can be like, no, I was scared. Did you see that? Yeah. Part? One person be like, no, I was crying. It was so sad. Like people will take what they need. And that's all like, mm-hmm. that, all that matters to me is that you take what you need from that. If you want to swoon over one scene that I may not have thought was going to be a big deal but it stuck out in your mind more than the rest of the film that is okay you know what I mean if you want to you know kind of reminisce on your own experience based on like one line of dialogue that a character said 
then do that. You know what I mean? I want people to take what they need as long as it's it, it was impactful in a way that made yeah. me feel something. Um, then that I feel good about that. I feel moved enough to mm. you know, be satisfied. So yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay, I could take that. So let's talk about your journey to damn right. Like, uh-huh. you know, I feel like in your early 20s, we're all very ambitious. We feel yeah. like we can take on the world. Yeah. We feel like we can do all these things. And some people don't, but you manage to. So like, <laughs> how? Like, just tell us, how did you get to the space where you could, you know, curate? First of all, what was it? 10 films in one year? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Ten films. And, yeah, yeah, that's, like, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not working with like a crazy budget. And from right. everything that I saw, it was very just organized, so professional, but like good storytelling at the same time. Thank you. So it, that doesn't just happen overnight. So how did Damn Right come to be? Um. Well... I've always been a person to, to a person to just like, I'm trying, I, I need to figure it out. Like if I don't know something, mm-hmm. like I need to just try to figure it out. Or if I want to do something, I just, I don't know. I kind of hop into this mode of like, okay, what can get me to this point? And so, um, I think initially with damn right, I just knew that I was going to have to, if I want to be a screenwriter and a filmmaker that the, I, I, the first thing I recognized that it was no blueprint. Right. right. There's no blueprint. It's not like I'm going to be a doctor, right? Where I know, okay, I need to take this test. I need to pass this test. Yeah. I need to take this. I need to go to school for this many years. I need to do a residency and then I'm a doctor. Like there is no step by step for this. You can go mm-hmm. to the industry in like 7 million different ways. Yeah. You know? So that was the first thing that I needed to recognize. Okay, Nakia, nobody's going to hold your hand. You can you can listen to advice. You can get advice. But honestly, the, the path is up to you. It depends on your yeah. next move, you know? So recognizing that early on, I'm like, okay, well, then what is my next move? Um, and I wanted to establish myself as a filmmaker amongst my family and my friends because they needed to take me. See, they need to take me. They need to know that I'm taking this series. So you, yeah. know, like, I'm a, I am a screenwriter, and so I said, okay, I'm going to write a film, and I'm going to make that film. I don't know how, but I'm going to figure it out. Somebody can hold the camera. We're going to reach out to these people. They're going to be actors. Like, I figured mm-hmm. that part out, and so I did that. And then I was like, I need a place for my films to be housed. That's a professional space. Yeah. And I had already had this poetry group called You Damn Right. And so I was like, so for my screenplays, I'm going to just drop the U, keep damn right. And I need one more thing to make it professional. <laughs> and I was like, originals. <laughs> like, damn right, originals. That's what it's going to be. Um, and it just, that's, that's how it came about. I hit up my, my homie from college who I knew did logos. And I was like, I need a logo. How much? And then I was like, okay, cool. Got my logo, you know, got all these things happening. I got my email address, my Instagram, my website. Um, and I had my one film that I had just done and um, I like sold out 333 seats. Wow. Um, I didn't even know that many people knew who I was, but it was <laughs> great. And that like just sparked something in me because I was like, wow, I'm no longer dreaming to do this. I actually did it. Like I'm a doer. Yeah. Um, and then I just 
constantly wanted to chase that high, like of like fulfilling my purpose. And so that film led to another and then it led to another and led to another and it led to a team that led to another. And it's just like, yeah. people say like, how did you get started? I'm like, you just have to start. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta, however you can, like if you gotta crawl, you crawl, then you can walk and then you can run and then you can fly mm-hmm. and then you're doing it. So that's that's how that kind of came about. <laughs> so I have several questions within that that state those statements. Like yeah. first of all, why was it important for the people around you and your loved ones to take you seriously as a as a writer, as a filmmaker? Uh because I come from a family of doctors and you know, well, it's like like my father's side, like my dad's an engineer. Mm-hmm. My aunt is a, a, a pediatrician, OBGYN. My other aunt mm-hmm. is a principal. You know what I mean? And um, and we have professors. And then, you know, so that's one half of, of my family. It's very much so um, uh, just uh, that, you, you know, like very structured lifestyles um, and very structured way of, uh, I guess, following their dreams of becoming like doctors and teachers and stuff. Um, and then the, on the other side, it's very working class, right? Like just your, your working class, middle class, you get your job, you pay your bills, you take care of your family and that's that. Um, and so here's me, the first I won't say the first ever, but the first two seriously, I I went to college, I do all of this and I'm seriously pursuing art. So I'm this new, uh, I'm this new like thing that's new, you know, like they're not used to this. They're like, okay, like, how are you going to live? Like, how are you going to sustain your life? And so it was more so me just establishing myself as a filmmaker and something that I'm taking serious because I think a lot of times you know, people, your kids say they want to be artists and like immediately parents are like, okay. Yeah. What's your <laughs> real plan? Right. What's your, what's your, that's cute. But like, what are you really going to do? And I think because, yeah. and it, I think it's more so out of love. Like I never, you know, think that it's that they don't support me. My mom support supported me from whatever. I could tell her I was going to be a finger painter and she'd be like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like my mom is <laughs> super supportive. So not talking about her, but my dad is a little bit more practical where he'll be like, okay, well, but how will you make money? You know, so that side is very, it's like an, uh, a structured, very structured structured base, uh, of pursuit in their careers, you know? And then I have my mom's side, which is very working class. So they're a little bit more supportive, but they still don't understand, you know, they, it's like for them, it's like, you get a job, and you you kind of survive in a sense. You pay your bills, and that's yeah. that. But I feel like I was I was the first one to to have this glamour in their eyes, right? Like I know the real tea, but to them, <laughs> it's like, oh, you want to be this glamorous Hollywood thing? But like, how is that going to work? And they don't get yeah. it. So I'm like, no, I need to show them. Like, I'm not. This is not just a dream. This is not only a dream, you know, this is something that I'm going to do and I'm going to do well and I'm going to put my all into this craft. Um, and so, you know, I went to college for radio, television, film, and um, I pursued it. And, you know, from there, I was like, let me do my first film. I did that. And they came and they were like, oh, wow, you did all this by yourself. And I kept doing it. And they're like, OK, um, yeah. 
And then, you know, it just became a thing that they, they, even if they didn't understand how I made money or how I, how I was like, how it made any sense, they still Mm -hmm. knew that, okay, this is, she's serious about this. And so we're going to have to be serious about, you know, supporting her. Get on board. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I think um, it's a lot different than my story. I um, (laughs) I wasn't quite as bold, (laughs) so I spent a few years like pursuing. Aren't you? Are you Caribbean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Jamaican. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, girl. (laughs) Yeah, you're gonna be a lawyer. You're gonna be a doctor. That's it. (laughs) So it's just like I I had to fight through that for so long. Yeah, and. I spent a lot of time just like trying to prove to them that I could be this person that they wanted to be. And I just kept pushing my dreams down. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I spent all this time like writing stories in my head and, you know, having little notebooks that I would keep hidden. Yeah. And then when I got to college, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to be a lawyer. And I ended up changing my major like three and four times because I just knew this was one wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah. Once I finally got into English, I was like, all right, this is this is a good mask. Like I can learn the pre-law stuff, but then you know be creative on the look. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until like I graduated and my husband at my boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. He was just like, you don't want to do this. Why you why? Just why yeah. like, he went off on me in the car. <laughs> And I I still remember that conversation today. Like mm-hmm. I just decided, like I'm not gonna do this. Right, That's not who I want to be. Exactly. So it it does take a lot of courage to like be bold enough to stand. You know, not stand up to, but like prove to people who are important yeah. to you that the things that are important to you are real, and it's not yeah. just a pipe dream. And so, like I I found myself, you know. Once I was married with a child, it was just like, all right, you got to you got to secure the bag mm-hmm. and then you can pursue this for real. Yeah. yeah. So like you said, there's like a lot of ways to get into the industry. And so I love seeing young people like you, mm-hmm. you know, making their dreams happen in that way. But I'm curious, like you've poured a lot of your energy and time into making your dreams a reality mm-hmm. how how do you balance your personal life with you know the tremendous amount of time that I know it takes to make this mm-hmm. kind of stuff happen yeah I realized um I just talked about this the other day that I I no longer believe in balance right because like something's always yeah. always going to be a seesaw and I have to just come to terms with with that and, and be okay with that like Mm-hmm. You know, when I put a little bit more energy here, that means there's not going to be a, a much energy there. And that's OK. Yeah. As long as like it's some sort of harmony, like you're you're, yeah. you're at least giving attention to all of these things. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's a balance. Um, nonetheless, I I not that I recommend this for people, but I'm just a person who's very much so like I have to pursue like this is I have to like give this my all. Um, I mean, I do make time, you know, for self-care and I make time for my, to, to water my friendships and to, you know, make sure that those are still blossoming. Um, and, um, even like in romantic partner partnerships or dating or things like that, like I try, I make time for those things, but the people in my life, um, have to understand my purpose and the path that I'm on. And if you don't, 
then you can like bow out gracefully. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do make time for extracurriculars, but um, <laughs> I think the core, my core priority is like following my dreams because it's bigger than just me at this point. Like I'm, I'm yeah. trying to build a legacy and I'm trying to, you know, I'm just, it's just so much that I'm trying to do. And it's so much bigger than me. It's like what I'm trying to create the community that I'm trying to pour into, you know, back home in Atlanta and, um, you know, the black, the black creative space, like what I want to give. And I know that it's going to require me to focus yeah. and, and I'm okay with that. And I feel like my, the people who really love me are okay with that too. Yeah. And that's important. I think once your tribe recognizes who you are, then they pour into you the way that they need to. Right, right. Like they give you what you need. Um, I like that answer because I think that it's honest. A lot of people try to be and do all things for all people. Yeah. At one point, I'm like, oh, then I realized, like, "Mm -mm, let me just be real with myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I I had to come to that realization, too. I think we all go through that. But one Mm -hmm. thing that you said that I love, and I might actually steal this, like, Mm -hmm. no longer pursue balance. You just need it just needs to be harmonious. Like you need to like, it's like that yin and yang where it's just like things are just moving in flux and you can, you are okay with where you are. And I think one of the things that people try to do when they talk about balance is it's like an internal, external, like you're trying to please everybody else on the outside by saying, oh, this is how I balance my life. So you can feel Mm -hmm. good about the things that I'm doing. But it's like, it's not about you. If I sleep three hours a night, that's my business. It's my, that's my business. That's my business, you know. So, because <laughs> that work it might work for me, you know, it, it might not work for you, sis, and that's okay. You do what yeah. works for you. Yeah, yeah. So that I, I totally agree, a hundred percent. So, just in terms of. You know, I love the idea of legacy building. That's kind of been my thing for the last four or five years. My husband and I, that was like our wedding hashtag. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) But why is it important for you to build that legacy within your community? Like, you know, when somebody looks back in, I don't know, how old are we? Like 27, 28? Mm -hmm. 30 years from now, 40 years from now, what are they going to say your legacy was? Um, I, I definitely, they're going to say and recognize my love for where I'm from, like Atlanta. They're going to recognize my love for, um, black culture and black people. Um, my love for women, black women specifically, um, my love for sisterhood. And so they're going to recognize my contributions in those areas via storytelling. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also going to, going to be able to say that, um, I, I made it not possible, but I made it easier, right, for um, screenwriters to come who who are coming after me. I made it easier. I left some of those doors open, or I yeah. opened those doors and just welcomed them right in. And um, I feel like that's what screenwriters have done like who came before me have done for myself and like my generation of, of filmmakers and writers and creatives. Mm -hmm. They made it. I think every time we just make it a little bit more easier for the next, you know, wave to come in. And so um, I just want to do that times 10, you know, especially for people in Atlanta, because like um, creatives of color in Atlanta, for sure. Like in black creatives specifically, because like, we don't, like I said, we don't have a blueprint. And um, 
I, I recognize in ways that not having a blueprint helped me, helped to shape me in, in mm-hmm. a little bit of grit. Um, but I also recognize how much further I could have been had I known about this. People, let me tell you, these LA people have been making films when they were in elementary school. Yeah. Writing scripts. They've, they've been exposed to things from... Yeah. From like being from adolescence, you know what I mean? And me just figuring this out when I'm about to go to college, I feel like, wow, like imagine if I had known a little bit more, a little bit sooner. So like, that's what I, that's one of my greatest hopes to give to people who, who want to pursue this in the future. So that's what my legacy looks like. You know, and it looks like a couple, a couple shows that people can laugh at a couple or, <laughs> or, or, or love or stand or a couple films that are, classics you know that people are holding way after i'm gone yeah um and it it looks like just like leaving something for my children to continue on and their children you know great great grandchildren already on the forest listen but you know they're gonna be prepared yeah yeah (laughs) no yeah i love it i i think that that's the wave i think our generation has a tremendous responsibility to kind of be that bridge gapping agent because we have so much access like the world is literally like at our feet through Google, mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. YouTube. Like, yeah. there's no excuse for us now. And like you said, we're creating that blueprint as you go along so that other people can kind of just walk right through the door. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's that's an ambitious goal. Mm-hmm. And I really know, I, I'm confident that you're going to get it done. I'm confident too, you know, I'm just Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is in the pipeline for Damn Right? And you know, before we even talk about that, let's go back a little bit. Okay. You secured some deals. You secured the bag, sis. Talk about it. You're, you you got some deals done last year that we're all very proud of. I had Jamal Scott on the podcast already. Love and he kind of talked to love him. Love him. Um we talked about his um his film Kings, which is tremendous. I will not yes. stop singing the praises of that movie. Absolutely. Um, but for you, you secured several uh, what is it? Film shorts. Yeah, a development deal and, and a couple more partnerships. I yeah. I mean, when I talk about that, I tell people all the time. It's so funny because like you could just be minding your business, walking in your purpose <laughs> and things will doors will open up for you. Like all you have to do is like show up, right? Like well, a lot of times we're waiting for God. We're like, God, okay, what you gonna do? Like, God, hello, I'm waiting. And God be looking at you like, what you gonna do? I'm waiting on you. Right. You gonna pull up or what? Pull up. <laughs> like, I just need you to show up and then I can bless you. Like, come on. And so um, honestly, like if it wasn't for, I, I really just had the idea to do a short film a month in 2018. And that's what I did. And then at the end of the year, um, we had a showcase where we showed all of our short films. And um, uh, a rep, a couple reps were there, and um, one in particular was from Aspire TV, and they saw what we did. They were impressed, and then that's how that conversation got started. You know what I mean? They initially it was like licensing; they wanted to license some of the stuff that we did, and then after I guess like having a conversation with me and realizing that our uh, goals and stuff were aligned, they they were like, you know what? we want to, we want you all to develop some content for us. Like, you know, and then we started to talk about like, you know, the conversation was what, what do uh, 
what do you think black independent filmmakers are in need of? And I was like, well, money, you know, we need funding. We need um, a platform. We need bigger platforms for our work and um, we need resources. And they, you know, took what I said and they provided that for us to like develop with them. And so I thought that, that was great. Um, and, and that was like a really big deal because I was able to do that on my own as somebody with no blueprint. And so I was like, wow, I was just honestly, I honestly didn't set out to do that that year. I just wanted to walk in my purpose and I just wanted to show what I can do. And I just wanted to hone in on my craft. And, you know, it was a result of those seeds that I planted. I had no idea what would bloom from those things. You know, I was that, but that wasn't my, that is not my job to know what will come. Like when God says to plant seeds, I'm just going to plant the seed. I'm not going to ask them questions. Like what's going to come from this? Is this going to be a cherry a cherry bush or like a banana tree or what, what is this an apple tree i don't know it's not my job i'm not questioning anything i'm like okay yeah. like the seed and whatever happens uh-huh. and yeah. that faith i was rewarded for that and um and so that and and those you know those seeds are still i'm still like benefiting from those seeds that i planted in 2018 to this day so yeah. um that's why I just like make your stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Just like go ahead and, and make your stuff. It doesn't have to be perfect. Perfection is not real. It's not a, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, it's this imaginary thing that we will mm-hmm. never obtain, obtain perfection. We just won't um, do the best you can with what you have. And um, yeah. And you'll, yeah. you'll be surprised at what comes from it. That's a word. I hope y'all are listening to this <laughs> on this mic right now. Like I just, I know it. I mean, it's really true though. Perfection and the desire to just, you know, make things look Instagram worthy. Yeah. You know, if we want to put it in the, in the context of culture, yeah, it, it can be really crippling. Yeah. It can you just be. work so hard to make everything look so perfect. And it's like, yeah. it's not real. Yeah. It's not real. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it, I mean, I, it's a human thing to do, especially if we, you really care about something. I mean, you want, it, mm-hmm. you want it to be received well, but yeah. I mean, you, it comes a point where you have to put, it's really more so ego than anything. You have to put your ego aside and realize like, okay, this might, this is the best that I could, I did right now, but mm-hmm. I have to risk the fact that some people might not like it. And that's okay. Yeah, I'll be able to believe okay. that. And, and the thing is like progression is a better word than perfection. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Put it out. If it wasn't received fully well, or if you cringe at it. Okay, that's fine. I cringe at my first film. I'm like, oh, child, no ma'am, no ma'am. But it's okay. Cause I took that, I put it out and um, it made me want to do better, learn more, do better, learn more, do better. And that's the process. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I were, I'm so grateful for Nakia back then, because if I were so, so much of a perfectionist or had so much ego, I probably would not have done. I probably wouldn't have finished the first film because maybe I didn't have everything I thought I needed or maybe yeah. I thought I didn't know anybody to come to my stuff. Like, you know what I mean? I took a risk and I was like, you know what? I'm going to put my ego aside. I'm going to put out this film because I'm passionate about it. And we're going to see what goes from there, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now, here you are some years later. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a few more questions and we'll be done. Um, (laughs) What just because I I think it's an important conversation to have, especially with anybody who has a dream, anybody who's really trying to build something in, especially from the ground up. What what is the most or the one takeaway that you would give to anybody trying to start something like what's the greatest lesson you've learned or the greatest tool in your toolbox? What's that one thing that's 
been kind of the accelerant in your success? Um, hmm. I think it is. This requires reflection, girl. But I really think that it's like <laughs> showing. No, it's totally fine. I love it. I love when I have to like reflect on some things. But I feel like showing up for yourself is like the number one, the first thing. Because like we want people to help us and we want people to like believe in us. But it's like it starts with us. We have to show up for ourselves and we have to set ourselves up to win at this. Mm-hmm. Thing, you know. So if you if you need to you know, study more. If you need to hone in more on your craft and do that, that's, that's what it looks like to show up for yourself. If yeah. you need to learn something, you don't know something, then, fig- then learn it, ask questions, you know, do your research that that's what it looks like to show up for yourself. Um, if you need to be in a specific place or time or whatever, show up for yourself. I always say, I say this all the time. Like you can't catch fish on dry land, right? Yeah. So if you trying to, if you want to be a ice skater, um, but you, you, you've never been to, you know what I mean? Ice skating. Yeah. It's like, how, how, you, how does it going to work? Right. And you over here trying to skate on a, a regular, the, going exactly. to cascade or something. You gotta, I don't know. you gotta put yourself in a position to thrive is basically what I'm saying. You know what I mean? And you got to analyze and be real with yourself. Um, mm-hmm. so like, I think the first step is to show up for yourself in ways that will, um, in ways that will, I guess, your it'll benefit fit you when it comes to pursuing your dreams, mm-hmm. um, and then just start. So that it's kind of like a two two hitter. Like show up for yourself, yeah. recognize then- where you need help, recognize what you could do to to thrive, and then start. <laughs> yeah, just start. You know what I mean. Start where you can with what you have. Yeah, that's a word. That's a word. So what is Looking back, another reflective question, like what's been your most fun project that you've worked on? My most fun project? Or um, the one that you're most proud of or whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. My favorite children. Um, <laughs> um, I know it's horrible. I, I got to pick a favorite. Well, I, I, I guess I would go based off of um maybe moments or. Yeah. Um. Let me see. <laughs> hmm. Wow, this is I don't know. We you don't you don't have to choose one. Maybe well, just pick it's an experience, something that you yeah, took away from. I'm trying to pick like um see doing wow. So doing sugar water was very special. I'll say oh that. My gosh, I'm so glad you said sugar water because it's water my favorite. Very special because um we shot it in a neighborhood where I grew up. Um, in Washington Heights, and mm-hmm. um, we shot it in my great grandmother's house, and then right down the street from my great grandmother, like literally a few houses down, we shot in um my great uncle's uh house, and so it was just special because oh, that was my I mean it was my first short film. The first film I did was a feature, so that was my first short film, mm-hmm. and I had literally like sold everything I had just to have some sort of money to make it happen. <laughs> it, which was wow. it wasn't a lot, but like, I mean, down <laughs> to, I joke about it, but even down to the shoestrings, like 
Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. And um, I remember the moms on set because it was a lot of kids on set. So the moms were like, we'll take care of lunch. It was just like this community of people who believed in the story and the project so much. And it was so special to me. Um, and yeah, so I think that that's a story that that was super special to me. I was so I remember feeling so excited that I had finished writing it and I printed it out on my personal computer. <laughs> I was running out of ink. So some of the words were like a little off and I just held it in my hand like I finished this I because it was my second thing. Right. It's like yeah. you always talk about their first thing, but it's like when you have that high you are and you're a person that's like, I want to do better, like you're like, what are, what's my next thing? And so it was my, it was my second thing that I did. And so super proud of that. Cause I shot it in my, my city. It was very Atlanta. It was very nice, yeah. you know? And so it was nostalgic too. So yeah. I would say that one because it was just special because of like the memory and the nostalgia behind it. Yeah. And the <laughs> acting and that was so good. And yeah, even so not looking at Priya, like, oh, yeah. like living her best life. <laughs> such a star such a such a star yeah Yeah. I I I think you made a good choice that that's that's my favorite of your um if if I'm looking at your body of work it's my favorite it's so interesting (laughs) yeah so last question for you how would you and you've kind of said it a few times in this conversation but just you know answering it directly what would you say is your purpose um I think my purpose is to, if I were just to sum it up, is to build humanity and understanding through storytelling. Um, that, Y'all want that, a log line or elevator pitch? There you go. <laughs> yeah. I think ultimately, like if I boil down everything, that's what it comes down to. Like that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm supposed to bring this world together you know, and, and make us make everything a little, everyone a little bit more human in everybody's eyes via storytelling. So, yeah. Mm, I like that. Look at you. All <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much. No, I, I mean, thank I just you. like when people make you think, mm-hmm. and I think it's important. I think just kind of the world that we live in, it's very like sound bitey. Like you just keep right. scrolling. you the next thing but when you know when you're forced to stop and like really think about something that's that's important we got to keep our brains working absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah so where can the people find you um you all can find me on social media screenwrite her underscore you can follow damn right originals at damn right originals um on (laughs) instagram and dw originals on twitter um our website is damnrightoriginals.com and that's right as in penmanship so damn w-r-i-t-e originals.com um you can send us an email uh our email and contact information is on our website um general information info at damnrightoriginals.com for actors hold on i gotta say this because no yeah go ahead for actors casting at damnrightoriginals.com if you want to send your headshot and you want to send your reel just for us to have for future consideration like go ahead and do that um but yeah so that's how you can support us support us on youtube watch our stuff like comment make sure to subscribe and yeah thank 
for being a part of our tribe. <laughs> yes. And okay, come on, give us an exclusive. What is coming next? When is Southern Fried Rice coming out, girl? I'm ready. What's going on? So Southern, <laughs> Southern Fried Rice was done with an investor. So it's like, that's up to them, like to figure out what they want to do. Yeah. So that, um, that's, that was a very special project to work on, but I don't have the details for that. But we are working on a, a, a film with Aspire TV that we were able to shoot before COVID took over the world. Um, okay. So we're in post-production for that. I'm super excited. And that's a really special project. Um, and then we have a couple things that we're working on. And then I actually just finished up something with BT Her. So that's okay. very exciting. Um, I don't have the dates for that. Like I said, COVID kind of shuffled our everybody's schedule. Yeah. So I don't even know if it'll still be this year or next year, but it was still very special to work with them on a, on a project that I, I, I really love. And then the director of that project is an OG. I'm not going to say her yet, but she's an OG for sure. And I'm just very grateful to have that, have had that experience. So stay tuned, y'all. Stay tuned. Yeah. Well, congratulations and keep going, girl. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation in bloom and don't forget to rate, subscribe and review this podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Sunny, shiny,